0: So we have been going through the Baptist Faith and Message, and tonight we are in Article 8, the Lord's Day. Um, this one is a fairly short article. In fact, it's so short, it's, uh, let's see, four sentences long. So, so it, it'll be a fairly quick article, and this is something that's kind of interesting. It's not so much um, controversial for us. But for some Christians, it is. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, but not delve too much into it. But this is what the Baptist Faith and Message says about the Lord's Day. The first day of the week is the Lord's Day. It is a Christian institution for regular observance. It commemorates the resurrection of Christ from the dead and should include exercises of worship and spiritual devotion, both public and private activities on the Lord's Day, should be commensurate with the Christian's conscience under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, when you start thinking about the Lord's day, well, there's a reason we call it the Lord's day. In fact, it all started uh, with the Lord himself. Luke 24 records for us that on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb and uh, the ladies go to the tomb And when they get there, they find that the stone has been rolled away from the tomb and his body isn't in there. Now we know, they didn't know then, but we know today uh, he had risen from the dead and they would soon know that. But what I want you to see is on the first day of the week, the first day of the week is the Lord's day. Now that's not so much controversial. It's more of what does that mean? That's really where uh, the discussion should go. What does it mean that this day is set aside as the Lord's day? It was on a Sunday that Christ was found to be risen. That's the genesis, if you will, of the Lord's day. And the early church, well, almost from its very beginning, started practicing worship on the Lord's day. In fact, they never really, they didn't give up the Sabbath day worship at the Jewish synagogue. So they're actually worshiping two days a week. They are in the synagogues on Saturday, the Sabbath. They are together breaking bread, praying for one another on the first day of the week. Acts 20 verse 7 tells us that on the first day of the week. When we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. This is the story where some guy falls asleep, falls out of the window and dies, and they raise him back to life, okay? That was on the first day of the week. Well, I guess I guess uh, uh, if he preached until midnight and then that happened, it was the next day, but you know, he preached for quite a while that day, apparently. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it not only is the Lord's day a day of worship, it was also a day for Christian activity more generally. 1 Corinthians 16 tells us that uh, Paul is instructing the Corinthians. Now, for the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, I also, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, so every time you get together, each of you is to put aside something and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words, by the time that I get to you, if you will save it up now, by the time that I come, you won't have to give all at once. Have you ever noticed that, 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 that sometimes it's a lot easier to pay for it uh, a little bit along the way? I mean, that's why we have layaway, right? It's to pay a little bit as you can until, until you pay enough to get it, right? It's this basic idea. Paul says, Go ahead and start saving it up now. But when do they save it? When do they put it aside? The first day of the week. So from the very beginning, uh, the church really values the Lord's day. In fact, it was on the Lord's day that John saw the fantastic visions that God gave him on the island of Patmos. He says in Revelation chapter one, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good place to be any day really, in the Spirit. But I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And when he turns, he sees the Son of Man. He sees this glorious vision of Jesus, and he's instructed to write all the things that he's shown. And that happened on a Sunday. That happened on the first day of the week. So we have the early church quickly realizing the value of this day. And I want, to, I want you to think about it from a... Um, think about it from that outside perspective. There's no manual. There's no uh, list of things that the church can do at this point and can't do. There's no, they have the Old Testament, the law of God, but they also have this realization that what Christ has done has completely changed everything. Not so much that it's thrown out the law, but it's now fulfilled the law. And so the question is, how are we going to do church? Well, it makes sense if we have in baptism a commemoration of, of our death, burial, and resurrection along with Christ, if we have in the Lord's Supper a commemoration, a remembrance of Christ every time you partake it, remembering his death until he comes, then it makes sense that in this weekly rhythm of life, there ought to be something set aside to remember Christ by, to dedicate ourselves for God's use. I think the early church looked at the first day of the week, the day of Christ's resurrection, and said, we have to keep that front and center. So we're going to get together on that day. Now, whether they meant for churches all over the world to do it or not, I don't think they were thinking that far ahead. I just think they were looking at Jesus's death and resurrection especially and saying, we got, just as Jesus rose on the first day, So so we ought to gather together and, in a sense, kind of rise with them every first day of the week. You could also look at it like this. You could also look at it as a first fruits. We are going to give God the first thing, the best thing. So when the week starts, we're going to start it with God. It's kind of this idea of almost like a, a tie where we give God the best and we give God the first And we trust him with everything else because we want him to know, first of all, that we trust him. We trust that he's given us enough. But also, secondly, we want to show him that he is what's most important. Part of the reason that that the the whole the whole purpose of the tithe uh, was in large part to trust God, but in large part also to tell God what he's given us is sufficient. In fact, it's more than sufficient. It's 10 percent more than sufficient. Or greater if we choose to give more. Whatever, whatever God has given us is so much more than what we need that we can give a portion of it back to Him and say, I don't even need this much. It's all yours anyway, God. I think this is kind of the same way, isn't it? The first day of the week is like a first fruits. It's like a, it's like a tithe where we can say to God, I'm dedicating this week to you. So I'm starting it in your service to remind myself that my whole life is to be in your service. The whole week, all 168 hours of it, ought to be in God's service. And so we we put that front and center in our minds because we're human beings and we need something, we need something regular, we need something rhythmic. We need something that keeps recurring over and over and over again to remind us because we're prone to, well, as the hymn says, prone to wander, right? And so there's some of that going on. But probably what's most controversial about this is why not the Sabbath? I mean, isn't this basically the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day? Shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't we be observing this on the Sabbath? I mean, after all, look at the Ten Commandments. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Listen to the reasoning behind it. This is from Exodus 20, starting in verse nine. Six days you shall labor, So here is the establishment of Sabbath as law. Now, Sabbath goes back before law. Sabbath goes all the way back to creation. God does seven days worth of work in six and then rests on the Sabbath. And we are commanded to follow suit. In this verse, it commands us, rest, don't work. He, He literally says on it, you shall do, you shall not do any work. And not only you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, give your servants the day off. Your livestock, not even, your ox shouldn't even be working on the Sabbath. And if somebody's coming out of town to visit, they shouldn't be working on the Sabbath either. Now, does that mean, well, we can't do any work on Sabbath. I guess we'll just have to fast because we can't eat. No, it's not what that means. But what does this have to do with the Lord's day? Is this Lord's day, the new Sabbath? Is it, not, okay, We had we had a Sabbath, now we have a new Sabbath. I don't think that's quite it, but I think there's a lot of similarity. I think there's some overlap. Both days are to be dedicated to God. But what's interesting about this commandment in particular is that all the other nine commandments Jesus repeats, but Jesus never repeats the command to keep the Sabbath. It makes me wonder, why doesn't he do that? Is it because the command should just be thrown out? I don't think it should be thrown out entirely. I think it should be fulfilled. But see, up until this point... When has God's people ever been able to do what God expects them to do? They haven't been. That's the whole problem, right? That's the whole problem with humanity. We never can quite get to God's standard. And you would think the Sabbath ought to be the easiest one. It doesn't require anything. In fact, you literally do nothing, right? Don't work. Don't let anybody else work. You can sleep late in bed, right? This is the day of rest. Okay, maybe not exactly, but you get what I'm saying though. This is the one that doesn't require any special attitude to fulfill. This is the one that doesn't require you to jump through any kind of hoops to fulfill. You don't have to cut anything. You don't have to give anything. You just have to rest. Now that can be hard enough, but what does this have to do with the Lord's day? Some people think that the Lord's day is a new Sabbath, but that's not exactly the biblical record. Listen to the words of Jesus. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What's he saying? What he's saying is the Sabbath is a mean, not an end. The whole point of the Sabbath was to rest from your work. The whole point of the Lord's day is to praise God for his work. There's a difference, and that's a critical difference. Some people say that you have to worship on Saturday or you're not a true believer. I think you got your days mixed up. See, you should be worshiping every day. Corporate worship, I think, should take place on a Sunday. It's what the early church did, but more importantly than that, it's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And every time we meet on a Sunday morning or on a Sunday night, We are commemorating Christ's resurrection from the dead, reminding ourselves that if God can raise his son from the dead, surely he can handle the paltry little junk that we got going on. If God can put into place a several thousand year mission to redeem humanity from its own sinfulness, even when most men don't want to be redeemed at all, and the only ones who do are because God has put that into them. If he's able to pull that off, my problems don't amount to a hill of beans compared to his ability. It's our reliance on him. And the Lord's day is the day we remind ourselves that we need him. So it's not just a Sabbath, though it is... In some ways, a day of rest, isn't it? It's also a day that we give to God in recognition that it's all His. I said 168 hours. If you tithe your time, you would give to God two hours and 24 minutes every day, specifically focused on Him, nothing else. I wish I could say I tithe my time. I wish I could say every day that is, I hold back religiously. But you know what I've learned in the process? I've learned learned that when I give him what I can legitimately give him, not just what's easy to give him, not just what feels about right, not just something to ease my heart that, oh, I'm doing what I can. It's not like you send a little bit of money to a kid in Africa and you think, oh, well, I'm ending world hunger. No, you're not really. You're helping. But 25 cents a day isn't quite doing it. No, the problem's bigger than that. My problem is that I want it to be mine. I want the time to be mine. I want want the Sunday not to be the Lord's day. I want it to be my day. But when I really give it to him, when I really give him my days and I trust him, then he does things that I could not imagine possible. Some of them are pretty incredible performances. Some of them are things that I wouldn't have expected that I could do that much work. There was a day a couple weeks ago, I came up here, I had like two and a half hours. So I came up here to try to get a little bit of work on the sermon. done. Now, sermons don't take two and a half hours. I hate to tell you this, but it takes a lot longer than two and a half hours for a good sermon. Now, if I took two and a half hours on a sermon, you would know it, okay? It wouldn't take long. You'd be like, man, he needed some more time in the study this week. But within two and a half hours, by the time I was done, I was amazed at how far it had come. Because that particular day, I had trusted him with it, and I just about had time to spare. There were a couple little details to work out, a few kinks to work on, but it was amazing what he allowed to happen in such a short time when he was in charge. Now, I've had other times where I've spent hours looking at a blank screen Thinking, what in the world is this sermon going to be? I've had times where I have read the scripture over and over and over again, and it's just like a wall. Like, I, like I see the words, but I can't understand them. Like, I just don't get it. I've had times like that, but I found that when God has possession of me and has possession of my days, that I'm able to do much more than I can do. And that's not the reason we celebrate the day. That's not why we set aside Sunday but it is a nice benefit. You know, this day is God's day. That's really what this boils down to. Whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday or a Tuesday, because God owns all the Tuesdays too, when we give it to him, then he can do good work through us. The first day of the week is the Lord's day. It's something for us to observe publicly and privately. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about not doing any shopping. It's not just something that we should force State government's not to let you buy alcohol because it's the Lord's day. No, it's more than that. It's his day because the Bible still says this is the day that the Lord has made. And there's a reason that verse is not this was the day or this will be the day that it says this is. It's because every time you read it, it's true that day, that's God's day. So may he be the Lord of all of our week and may we be faithful to remind ourselves who's in charge every Lord's day.